Chris Jones is going to tweet every day until one former defensive end is a Kansas City Chief again. But should the Chiefs bring back Frank Clark today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs, everybody. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your next listen another Locked On show here on the network because we are here for you every day for free, starting on YouTube where you can get subbed there and everywhere else on the audio platforms to get your information first. A lot of shows going on around the network that you want to get in on. We have to talk about what's going on with the Kansas City pass rush. We've seen the uh, offensive tackle situation kind of evolve over here over the last two, three weeks. Let's see what happens with the defensive end pass rusher group. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner, and there's a lot to talk about. We did talk about the offensive tackles, and we'll have a little bit more of an update on what they're going to cost Kansas City this season, but that'll be towards the end of today's show. Yeah, first we got to hit the big thing is <clears throat> Chris Jones is making his mark, making his point. And I think there's a little bit of smoke there, but let's talk about the bottom line. The Chiefs have a rookie pass rusher. They have Charles Menehue as it lined up as an edge right now. You could see him playing inside on some downs, et cetera, et cetera. Is there room on this roster for Frank Clark right now if it's a low-end incentive-laden deal? Has to be very low-end and has to be highly incentive-laden. Uh, and you know, we'll talk about what Donovan Smith costs later, but right now the Chiefs have under two million in cap space. So, and that's before they sign their rookie class. So that's going to drop because they're going to have more signing bonuses, which are going to add to their costs. So they don't have the cap room right now. And the cap is part of it. We'll talk about the on-field here in the next segment, but let's just talk about the cap because I think Chris is doing a pretty good job putting up kind of a smoke screen. Because right now, there's no way you can afford Frank Clark, in my estimation, like you were just saying. You can run down all the numbers. But this feels like Chris saying, I'm giving you some money back on my extension. Use it to sign Frank. I feel like he's trying to make a point now while they're still in contract discussions because he's the key. Without an extension for Chris right now, Frank isn't coming back. Yeah, there's no way they can afford him without... Chris doing some kind of extension in lowering his cap number from just over 28 million to much less. And quite, quite honestly, when you look at what it would take or what Chris Jones could do and give the chiefs some cap relief this offseason, he could take a, you know, a little bit of a cut on his cap number, but still have a hefty cap number this year and not hurt Kansas city going forward as much because he's already under the cap right now. So I think that they would be wise to maybe consider, okay, maybe we drop his cap number down to $15, $20 million a year and free up enough to maybe bring in a guy or two and give you some space, but still keep his cap number up higher so it's not going to hurt you later. So what you're saying is because this would be an extension on top of the current agreement, if you put that money up front in year one, when you presumably have the majority of your gaps on this roster filled, and by bringing in a Frank Clark would, would give you another option to fill those 53s. That allows you to put a chunk right now and limit what those cap numbers are in years two, three. Maybe they even get to four. I don't know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you start looking at what Chris Jones's deal is going to do. I'm not even going to try to hazard to guess what his numbers are going to be. But say you give him a $20 million signing bonus, and I think that's low, but that's going to be a cap hit of $5 million a year on signing bonus. Well, if you make his salary for the year $10 million, now you're in a situation where it's not going to be one of those things where you're giving him this huge signing bonus and he's taking a large or a very small salary. And I think that's the best situation for Kansas City if they're going to try to make this happen. And that's really the only way you can bring Clark back because you just don't have the money right now. <laughs> you just don't. I, I agree. Um, and I think kudos for, for Chris. Uh, this does feel like the agent is making some progress with the Chiefs. Like they've found some, I won't say middle ground, but they're getting closer is my guess. I think that this was supposed to take until just before camp. But the longer you wait, somebody might give Frank Clark a $5 million deal for a year. At this point, because we expect it to be less than that, he'd have to take that, right? So if you're Chris Jones and you want Frank Clark back truly, doing this every day for the next however many days could actually be effective in trying to move that negotiation along, get yourself signed, and get cap space for Frank. It could. What I would say about Frank is I think he's probably the situation where, and I'm not trying to speak for him when it comes to money, but he's made enough money in his career. I think he's also looking for legacy. I think that's important to him. And he loves this organization. He's said he loves Andy Reid as coach. So to me, I'm not saying he's going to take a discount, but if somebody's out there offering him $5 million and they're not really a contender, then I don't know that he's going to be willing to take it because I think he wants to chase more rinks. I, I certainly hope so. That's that's the big positive side. So if they can work out the money, what does that do to the depth chart? What does it do to not just the 23 season, but beyond? We're going to talk about the impact Frank Clark could have on this roster and on this group of edge rushers after this. And I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you haven't tried these yet, you absolutely need to give Built Bars a try if you're like me and you want to make a healthier snack choice, but you don't want to compromise on taste, you absolutely have to try Built Bars. They're healthy for you and they taste amazing. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. <clears throat> I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better than that, they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club or get specialty boxes at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today and get a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And at Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box of Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter Puff, and Churro Puff. You can thank us later. So I stand here saying this is a plus for all the young guys that are on this roster. And that does not, for me, exclude Charles Amenahue, who I feel can still learn something from Frank Clark. Frank has the experience beyond what even uh, a few years veteran Amenahue has to offer. I think the synergy that he brings lining up next to Chris Jones is something that everyone can learn. And I have to give Frank Clark a, a lot of credit. We've been hammering him for the last couple of years about not playing up to his previous contract. That's all out the window now. If what we talked about earlier is true, and it's it's a low-end, incentive-laden deal, 
There's no way that he can't live up to it because Frank Clark is that good. But the bigger thing for me is that we saw him take George Karloftis under his wing last year. George's been working out with Tom Bahali this summer as well. And, and I love that aspect. But there's nothing like having somebody, a mentor in the room. So I'd like to see that continue. And I feel like Felix Anantike Uzama could really, really use a mentor like Frank Clark coming into the future. Yes, it'll affect this year, but my theme is I think it's going to affect the next three or four years by building those two guys up even further specifically. I agree with you, and I think that it's when you start looking at what Frank Clark could bring to this team, he's a guy that he doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to start. Uh, now, whether or not he starts is a whole other discussion, and we can get into that whether after they sign him. But he doesn't have to start on this team to be effective. He could come in and be in the NASCAR packages, and maybe that's – where he would be best at coming in where he's completely fresh and coming in just to rush the passer uh, and coming in at, at other times to help, you know, spell the younger guys, as you would so say, I think that this is a, an interesting move. If they, if they bring in Clark, that gives them another pass rusher that they know that they trust. And you're absolutely correct. They also get a proven veteran in there that can help Carl Loftus, that can help a mini two, that can help, you know, Felix, and it do any uh, FAU. I'm just going to say that I'm going to try to say that from now on, because I just butchered that last time a name. I apologize. Uh, but I do think that this is a good move that they could look at doing. And you're right. You know, as we talked about with salary, if, if they're going to get it done, they need to get it done soon. I, I think there is an, an impetus for that because um, you never know what's going to happen. You could have an injury where you need cap space. You could have a, a number of other things, but, the big thing here is about getting after the quarterback. We saw the group as a defensive front make a turnaround last year and get a lot more pressure. Their sack count went up. Now it's about really stressing and getting to those quarterbacks that have been a little bit elusive or given the Chiefs a lot of trouble. Uh, kind of a funny video came out this morning uh, on, on the pre-schedule release with Orlando Brown telling the mayor of Cincinnati, you know, this was this is better you not saying anything than what you did last year. But that quarterback that they were talking about still has to go get got. And I think Felix in particular, but George as well, and Amenihu have to help Chris Jones corral Burrow before he gets his giant contract. I think that's going to have to be job number one for them this season against the Bengals. Well, and I will say this. I think the other thing that they need to take into consideration is you're going to have OTAs coming up. You're going to have rookie, or sorry, you're going to have mandatory mini camp in June. But then these players are going to go off and they're going to be off for a month and a half. I'm not going to say that they're going to work the entire time, but NFL players generally don't take time off. They're going to be working out. They're going to be doing things that are going to get them better. Having Frank Clark in the building and having him be able to reach out to the young guys and maybe work with the young guys during that break time could be invaluable for them to learn. Yeah, it speeds the whole thing up of making that transition to the NFL. And it's not just for those guys. It's about the synergy of what the front is. I will say this too. As much as I think Felix can benefit, George can benefit, I think that's great. The guy that I think really could reap the most benefits from playing with Frank Clark is B.J. Thompson. Because B.J. has a body type closer to Frank's. Now, Frank didn't play backwards in space like B.J. can. B.J. is actually a very good athlete. Uh, and he can do drops. And he can take some coverage on tight ends and those kind of things. But it's about attacking the passer. And for a guy that's whose frame is similar and whose weight is similar, I do feel that B.J. Thompson could be uh, jump-started in his career development if Frank Clark is there and can show him similar things with a similarly designed body. That might be the X factor 
for BJ to progress to the point where he earns a roster spot for next year. Could be. And I'm going to be very curious as to how that's going to work out. When you start looking at the number of roster spots available, though, you bring up another good point. How is this going to affect guys that are on the roster right now, guys that we know are going to be on the roster? Obviously, George and Felix are going to be here. Aminahue is going to be here. Then you have Mike Dana. Who else are you going to be looking at? I mean, you're right now you're at four. If you bring in Clark, that's five. Are you really going to keep six in with to get Thompson on the roster? The only thing that allows you to do that is the fact that Mike Dana can play down inside, George Karlapis can play down inside, Frank Clark can play down inside. So it doesn't have to be maybe as, as such a strict division of, as we've seen in years past between edge and tackle. Maybe it's more about the front. And it feels like Cullen wants to go that way in particular. I, I think six is a lot, but it's not out of the realm of possibility from where I'm sitting. The other thing that maybe possibly allows them to do this is maybe they won't be carrying a fullback this year. So that's another roster. Stop it. No, open. that's just an ugly rumor. <laughs> Andy, You're welcome. Andy mentioned it on the Kelsey show on New Heights that it's being phased out. When Andy reads this, we're going to phase out the fullback. Something has gone terribly wrong, and this is an end of an era. I refuse to believe it. There are a couple of guys that are going to go to camp, and we're crossing our fingers. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd go that direction. I just want to say it. Uh, <laughs> really the reality is regardless of whether or not you can you feel like you can keep six uh defensive ends i mean that's that's going to be tough but the other part of it is maybe bj thompson could come in and be a key special teams guy his first year maybe you get in a situation where you have some of those guys that can come in and do the special team stuff that allows you to carry less at other positions. And corner was one of the positions where they carried six last year. Maybe they only carry five. There's different ways to make it happen. You're right. Defensive tackles, one of them, but there's other positions as well. Well, the other thing that we've seen because of the versatility up front is that, you know, I'm pulling for Daniel Wise. I think he's a bubble guy right now. So if you're telling me that there's a possibility that, Chris Jones, Derek Naughty, Turk Wharton, and Keandre Coburn are the only interior tackles that they keep. I, I could see that as a possibility because I think Wise is right on the on the button there. So if there's only four tackles, you could keep six edges and feel like you have enough versatility back and forth to make it with those 10 in the front. And that's something we've seen them do in the past. Imagine that you're going for a KU guy in Wise. Hey, just you got to keep your fingers crossed. Ah. Yeah, just, just like you are for fullback. So Just I, wait I till it. there's a KU fullback. Just wait. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Don't need to go there at all. I, this is just going to be intriguing to see what Kansas City does, because if they bring black, back Frank Clark, there's going to be a lot more that's going to flow into it other than just bringing back another defensive end that's going to be on the roster. He has so much leadership and so many people in the organization love Clark. It makes a lot of sense for Kansas City to look at doing it and, Quite frankly, you know, you look at they bringing back Jarek McKinnon when they did. I mean, that's another sign that they're going to be looking at guys that could just step in and, and serve a specific role because that's really what McKinnon is. Agreed. Um, it is getting narrower and narrower. So what can they afford to do? What are the other possibilities? A couple of other things. We have numbers on Donovan Smith and whether that stresses out the cap as well. We're going to cover it and give you the details of what, what that means for this roster on the backside of this. So I know you're itching to go over all the data because we finally got numbers on Donovan Smith. What does it mean? So I won't say I'm itching, but I do think it's interesting. Uh, 
Donovan Smith's deal was talked about as being a $9 million deal. Uh, currently, I will say this, Kansas City has $1.9 million in cap space. Uh, and again, as I said earlier today, none of their draft picks have signed their contracts, so we don't know what signing bonuses are. That's going to affect the amount of cap space they have available. So you could look at a situation where maybe you're down to less than a million dollars in cap space when all of these guys are signed. That's certainly possible. Uh, the one thing that you were looking at when you start when you start talking about Smith, um, let's see, what is his number? One point nine eight million in twenty twenty three, and that is a one point one point oh two million roster bonus per game, which is what his likely to be earned roster bonus would be, because they have I think sixty thousand per game that he gets in a roster bonus. Uh, and he played 13 games last year, so that is likely to be earned. There's going to be another 240000 that would be considered not likely to be earned, uh, which would go against next year's cap if he uh, is playing for those entire that entire amount. That still is, is peanuts if he's able to regain his form in 2020 or 2021. Now, 2022 was, was uh, admittedly really, really rough for him, but I still think that player is in there. Yeah, and I want to apologize. I was incorrect. His base salary is $1.98 million. So just under $2 million base salary per game roster bonus of 1.02. Total cap number 2.76. So a little bit more than, than that. The reality, though, is, is they talked about it being a $9 million deal. So there's a lot of not likely to be earned incentives in here that we don't know about right now. And I did ask a question to, you know, Jason OTC, uh, the guy that runs over the cap in Joel Corey, and I haven't got an answer yet, and I need to do some more digging in this, but I'm curious, can they do not likely to be earned incentives with players? Is it just player specific? And what I mean by that is Kansas City won the Super Bowl last year, but Donovan Smith wasn't in Kansas City. So if they do and not likely to be earned, can they do not likely to burn incentives based on an AFC championship game and a Super Bowl because Donovan Smith wasn't here? Fair enough. I mean, if you I think just, about that, I mean, that could be two and a half million. I mean, I'm just throwing out numbers. We have no idea what those incentives are. We'll get them at some point. Maybe it's even making an AFC Pro Bowl. Well, if he didn't make, he couldn't have made the AFC Pro Bowl last year. Does that count as not likely to be earned? That's a really great distinction because you, you got to think that that's, it was a significant year for him last year. He gave up 35 pressures, uh, which was atypical for him. He had been running a little bit lighter than that in years previous. But I'll say this, it's still significantly lower than both Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown. So does that make it more likely? I, that's a great question. Um, I hope that you get an answer to that because I'm looking forward to finding out, to tell you the truth. I just thought it was fascinating that you could go that direction. I'm sure that some of his incentives are based on how he plays, on how many pressures he allows, how many sacks he allows. I'm sure that some of those incentives are going to be based on that, but it's curious to know whether or not getting to championship games, getting to, you know, Super Bowls, winning a Super Bowl, if that is something that he could possibly do because it's based on the player, not based on the team. Yeah. That's it's a specific role. And let's, let's be real. The more I hear about this deal, the more I feel that this is a, uh, you tell me if I'm wrong monetarily, more than likely it's a one-year deal. 
This is a Band-Aid to get through to the next draft pick or the next solution at left tackle. I don't see this as a long-term deal. No, I think it's only a one-year deal. Uh, right now, uh, over the cap only has it as a one-year deal. I think the NFLPA side only has it as a one-year deal. Um, I don't think that there's going to be any kind of void years in this. I don't think it's like you got a big signing bonus that is spread out in void years. It doesn't appear that that's the case. So now it's just a question of what are the other incentives? How likely are they to be earned? I mean, you're talking basically what six million in incentives, almost a little six and a half or six point two five, almost. Considering they said it was almost nine million total, mm-hmm. uh, so really curious to see what the incentives are because that will affect Kansas City next year. But I don't think they're really going to care if he plays well enough to hit the incentives and they go win another Super Bowl, or even if they do well enough and they keep Patrick healthy. That's mm-hmm. I think the biggest key of it all. Yeah, I think the outcome on Patrick is is probably the biggest measurement of whether that's successful or not but for this year it looks like there's going to be a competition there uh at left and he's out front of it can Wanya back him up or back up the right side be the swing i think we're gonna have to find out here in the next coming weeks will give us a little bit of a clue yep and i have a question for you and this is kind of off the cuff but it was something that was talked about today and it's been talked about for the past couple of months do you think kansas city adjusts mahomes contract this offseason you know, I, I do hear that coming up more and more. The more I look at it, I just I just don't know if that's the right timing um, because there's no impetus right now, I feel, to do that given what the dollars are. Uh, yes, if you wait two years, it, it, you're going to have to do something. I still feel like, like 25, 26 is about the range, but if they're trying to get ahead of it, I guess you could see doing it now. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me, but. I'm not sure they're trying to get ahead of it near as much as they're just trying to keep Patrick paid where he should be paid. And I'm sorry to, to be fair. I don't think he should be paid in as like a bottom of the top 10 quarterback, which is what he's going to be paid once Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert get paid. Well, like Andy Reid said on, uh, on new Heights, uh, he's, he makes enough money. I, well, I, I understand that. <laughs> and no, and I don't... I'm not, and I'm not saying that they need to, I'm just saying, I think it's, Interesting that it keeps coming up and more and more people are starting to talk about it. I, I think that's contrived in the media. I don't think Patrick's pushing for that. Uh, and I certainly don't think that the the organization wants to do that ahead of time. Because the longer you can ride this it. out and let as he said, that's what they're looking to do. Because Veach says a lot of things that don't end up happening. He said that, yeah, him, uh, him and Clark Hunt both have talked about how they know Patrick's always going to be underpaid, but he's, it, it's something that they're looking at trying to fix. So, okay, hey, when that happens, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy. Until then, I'm not too worried about it. I'm not worried. I just think it's interesting. We're not even three years really into the the extension part of the contract yet. And well, and that then that's the cause you, of inflation going rampant, right? Like we, I, I we knew he would be underpaid. I didn't think he'd be this underpaid already. I had a feeling he was going to be underpaid pretty quickly because one, the new contracts were coming out with the league and getting new, uh, new sponsorship money, new TV money, and two, you had so many young QBs that were going to have to get paid at some point uh, in the near future. And quite frankly, the other one that always throws a wrench in this is Aaron Rodgers. So there you go. Sure, sure. Can't leave anything nice and easy, can you, Aaron? Thanks, buddy. <sighs> well, we're going to have more for you about the schedule. Yeah, and we will have more about the schedule for you tomorrow. We're going to do a special live show. Uh, there were a couple of games that were announced. Kansas City is going to be playing 
against the Miami Dolphins in Frankfurt. Uh, so Tyreek Hill is not coming back to Kansas City. Uh, so that's something <laughs> really interesting to see what Kansas, what other games Kansas City gets. Yes, we they're will not, discuss. They're not the black fighting game, though. <laughs> no, and that's a plus. And we will discuss Tyreek Hill and his lack of of an opportunity to uh, to flash any peace sign in in Arrowhead this year, uh, unless they manage to make the playoffs. We'll we'll find out about that. But a lot of a lot of intrigue for. When are they going to go where? But the Frankfurt thing kind of threw me for a loop. Um, so we'll see what else is surprising. Look for them to put the Chiefs wherever they feel they can make the most money off of their broadcast because that's what it comes down to. The new YouTube contract for everything. Uh, everybody is not guaranteed prime time. You can move them around a little bit more. No network no owns anything, quote unquote. That's uh, the, the most fascinating be a hot part of commodity. this. Yeah, we that's might even have to do a whole show part. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not not having all AFC teams or AFC games mostly on CBS versus NFC versus on on Fox. That's going to be the fascinating part to see how that plays out. Uh, and there's owners meetings that come at the end of this month as well that affect whether or not teams can play two games on Thursday night, which I'm hoping fails. But we'll see. They had 22 votes. They need 24. I'm guessing it's going to pass just because that's the way that things usually work. But we will see what happens. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. You guys keep your ears on because we will be live Thursday night for the Friday show uh, on the, the schedule release reaction. We'll give you everything that we have at the time. It is like, you know, a nice short uh, schedule release for the NFL Network, and I think it's three hours on television. So uh, we are going to be time determined. We think we're going to start about an hour after it begins, but we'll find out if we actually know anything at that point. So. Be with us here on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, you can hear it on the audio platforms. But if you like something and hit that bell, the bell will tell you when we go live and when we are on the channel. So uh, a lot of folks excited about this schedule release. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully it's not a lot of craziness on, on Thursday nights. And I just like a nice, easy Sunday night. Let's be on NBC quite a bit. That'd be that'd be great. That'd be nice. And I would expect Casey is going to have plenty of prime time games. But we will see once we have that information, you will hear it tomorrow live on YouTube. And the show obviously will drop on audio right after that we get done on the live. Absolutely. So have a great Thursday. Check us out tomorrow night live. Thanks for spending your time with us today. And we'll talk to you then.